This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. A midweek edition of the Pot of Gold coming to you live or taped from the WNDU studios, your home for a countdown to kickoff. That is producer Jerry. He is Mike Berardino. I am Tom Noy. And there's snow on the ground outside in South Bend. Welcome to November. November 1st, two, three inches on the ground in South Bend. It is definitely winter. You know what that means, Mike B? It's basketball season. Oh, Tom Let's Noy. go. Here we go. Basketball season. The Micah Shrewsbury era officially begins in about seven and a half hours. The Irish will play an exhibition game Wednesday at Purcell Pavilion. I will be there. Mike B. will be taking over the rest of the podcast here in a little bit with our special guest, Eric McLean from the ACC Network. We'll talk all things ACC. We'll talk Clemson. We'll also maybe later on talk predictions. And we might have a surprise prediction at the end of the show. We'll have to wait and see on that one. So, no? Maybe? We'll see. Stick we'll around. See. Get, stay get, tuned. Get stay tuned. Well, before we get to that, Notre Dame has run its record to 7-2 and two with a 58-7 to seven victory over Pittsburgh. Arguably, maybe, yes, no, kind of, sort of, its most complete game of the year on Saturday. Scoring in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams again for the second, second week in a row. The Irish, really no problem against Pittsburgh. Now, the news was not all good because on Monday, Mike Berardino, what did we find out about one Mitchell Evans? Well, he had tore his ACL on that play at the end of the third quarter, and he's out for the year, as people know. And that's a that's a huge blow to uh, an individual who had had a breakthrough season. Uh, it was so important in a variety of ways: pass catching, run blocking. Uh, uh, just had the clutch gene, it seemed, and was a reliable target for Sam Hartman. So, opportunity now for uh, Holden stays Eli Raritan and the. Uh, Freshman, the precocious Cooper Flanagan. If you're a tight end at Notre Dame, you're a little worried right now with all these knee injuries going on. We've got Kevin Ballman, who's had two. Eli Reardon, who's had two. Now Mitchell Evans blows out his ACL and does it basically at the end of October, which is going to wipe out most of his 2024 season. Mitchell Evans, team leading, 29 catches, 422 yards, one touchdown, averaging 52 yards receiving per game, but was the guy in the past game for Sam Hartman as far as a security blanket, as far as a guy to go to if you needed a reception. You'd think that would be Jaden Thomas, maybe Jaden Greathouse. It was Mitchell Evans. Now Evans is done. Holden Stays will be the starter. Cooper Flanagan maybe the number two. Eli Raritan, everybody keeps everybody keeps waiting on Eli Raritan the way they kept waiting on Rocco Spindler. It's like Eli Raritan's like the flavor, the tight end flavor of the week. Or the, pl- or the Offensive Player of the Week for Notre Dame because it's ooh, maybe Eli Reardon. Eli Reardon. We've seen nothing from Eli Reardon that tells us he's ready for a major role on this football team right now. Yeah, well, that it, um, I, I'm guilty as charged. I mean, guilty. I wrote the, wrote the preseason uh, look at the tight end position. The special little pullout feature was Eli. I mean, um, it, yeah, it, it, he's going to get his chance eventually, and it's, it is time. I'm sure he's as frustrated as anybody or as – you know, he's pleased with what he's been able to do uh, you know, in the run blocking. He's, he's been part of their jumbo package uh, whenever healthy going back to last year. But uh, you know, there's no reason that, that mm-hmm. frame, that uh, skill set, that pedigree coming out of uh, Iowa um, as a high school prospect, um, that family pedigree at Notre Dame, which is cool. I mean, it, it's, it's, the table is set. Um, and I, and it, 
once once he gets going, uh, I think he will be a reliable weapon. He's going to have to be. Notre Dame offensively, over 500 yards total offense. Sam Hartman did not throw a touchdown pass. They did get a touchdown pass. Cooper Flanagan got one, his first of his career, from Steve Angeli. Are we now beyond the offense, the the worries about this offense as to what's what's wrong with Jared Parker's play calling or Sam Hartman at quarterback or the run game or the or the wide receiving game? Does the 500 total yard plus yards against Pittsburgh solve the concerns about what ails or supposedly ails this Notre Dame offense? No, because that's Pittsburgh, Tom. That was Pittsburgh, and you know, you no love for the Panthers. Not, no, I know that's that's not even Pat Narduzzi after the game was complaining about his talent. <laughs> his level. own guys. Yeah. Who who recruited him there, Pat? Oh. So he had to apologize anytime the team you defeated uh, has the head coach in the post game. Uh, complaining about the, the the material he's got to work with, and then the next day having to apologize because the players turned on him. Apparently, that is unbelievable. Like, I, <laughs> I, okay, it's it's different when you cover the University of Notre Dame, whether it's football, men's basketball, whatever program you cover at Notre Dame. I was stunned to see his players, Pat Narduzzi's own players, clapping back at him on Twitter. Or on X, like on social media, Pat Narduzzi offers the explanation as to, uh, you know, we, we did a poor job replacing, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now what, it, what I think he was trying to say, we did a poor job in replacing some of the players we needed to replace off of last year's team. We didn't do that. Thus, they lose 58-7. to And the players on this year's team are firing back at the head coach on Twitter. Can you imagine that happening to Marcus Freeman? That's no, amazing. It, no, it's uh, and I, and just about anywhere. It's right. a wild thing. It's uh, you know, he'd he better get that Michigan State job, or uh, or he's, he's going to be in a, in a he's going to be a defensive coordinator again somewhere. Um, you know, in, in the MAC. But uh, and, and it's amazing how quickly it can turn. I mean, mm-hmm. you, it's just a reminder that you are uh, massaging egos as much as you are coaching fundamentals in many cases, and and those guys didn't take well to it. So much for that blue vase. In the pit <laughs> facility where you, you put all your negative thoughts. You think they, they put some negative thoughts in there on Monday morning back they, in, in Oakland? The blue vase is, 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 in, <laughs> is in pieces on the floor there, but that's pit. And that's why I asked um, Boo Corrigan last night on the conference call, uh, uh, and they, I, I had the raise hand function. I got in there, and I wanted to know how they processed the committee, the college football playoff committee, put Notre Dame at 15. 15. I know Louisville only has one loss, but it was Pittsburgh. Right. And it was one-sided. It was 38-21. Pittsburgh, we just saw Pittsburgh uh, just awful in the second half against Notre Dame. Um, and, what, they were outscored 41-7 uh, in the second half. Uh that same Pittsburgh team a couple weeks back out uh, shut out Louisville in the second half, 24 nothing. So mm-hmm. I asked a question about how you process that. Under, and also that Notre Dame's only other loss was against the number one team on the committee's board, Ohio State, and under controversial circumstances, na- nailed you know, a very f- uh, f- hair-splitting difference there at the end. And Basically the, a tie. And the, quest, the, the question you're asking, Boo Corrigan, is because Notre Dame is ranked 15th and Louisville's ranked 13th? 13th yes. How do you rank Louisville 13th in the, in the college football playoff poll? What right. did he say? Let me, let me, it's, on a, it's on southbendtribune.com. We invite you to check that out. But um, the, the quotes from Boo Corrigan, the second year of him uh, leading this, this committee, so you know, NC State's athletic director, uh, Kevin Corrigan's... Uh, Notre Dame graduate, Boo Corrigan. ...brother, right? Yeah. Uh, I, and on the Corrigan family, uh, they'll be bending over backwards to be fair and not uh, favor Notre Dame. But, and also, I pointed out that Boo Corrigan had a, 
AD level seat for Louisville's awful performance at NC State, 13 to 10. Unwatchable. We agreed. Right. It unwatchable. Was, it was unwatchable. We were in That's, Raleigh that, that night. Did not look like the number 13 off. team. And Notre Dame had gone to NC State, and, you know, it was a w- weird game because of the delay, the, the lightning delay that everybody clicked on. But uh, great lightning coverage by Tom. Uh, what, are you going to submit that? Tune in to Notre s- Dame Insider. for We, we cover lightning and del- rain delays like no other uh, entity. Tremendous <laughs> We're work. We're all over tremendous that. Tremendous work on that. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you, Mike. But it was 45-24 <laughs> Notre Dame. So those two, I mean, I didn't get into that. I put it in the story. So here's the quote from Boo Corrigan. He said, we talked a great deal about the Louisville win over Notre Dame. The pit game for Louisville, their running back, Jawar Jordan, I think he ended up with two carries and was out. But looking at the total body of work, we were more comfortable as a group with Louisville ahead of Notre Dame. So I, had, I know Jawar Jordan lit up Notre Dame. He was really good. 143 yards, two car- 21 carries, two touchdowns. An important piece of the Louisville offense. Is he a 68-point difference maker, as I mentioned on Twitter? Uh, no, because it was minus 17 for Pitt, uh, Louisville at Pitt, and Notre Dame destroyed them, beat them by 51. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're going to get another chance to, to come back at it. The only thing I can come back at is they had they had all they had basically all those all the undefeated had the first five undefeated teams in order, and mm-hmm. then you start uh, only had uh, then you have all the one, one, one loss. loss teams in order. And uh, they saved the other two uh, unbeaten's for the 24 and 25 or late. And then, uh, and then all the twos were uh, two lost teams were stacked in order, and I think that's so simplistic. So not a lot of originality for this college football. Not on this ball. try. Try Let's again see. next week, fellas and lady. <laughs> Kelly Whiteside, come there on, too. come on, Boo Corrigan. What are you doing? Where should have Notre Dame been ranked? Twelve. Hey, 11? hey, hey, hey! Be I careful with twelve right now. Be careful with twelve. That's from Missouri. I, oh, Missouri I figured, I figured, hey, I figured hey, hey, producer hey. Jerry would have an issue with number twelve. Hey, we I, have George this week. Let us enjoy our one week of fun. Okay, we'll go back to normal. I the only two lost team I have ahead of Notre Dame in the AP poll that I have to submit every Sunday is LSU, and that's a that's a coin flip to me. Um, and uh, I would that's so I, I had them thirteen, and. Um, so I did. I had Louisville a couple slots behind because I'm really. The other thing is Louisville hasn't played anybody. Notre Dame's the only team Nobody. it played that was even. Now remember, Duke's not in the top twenty-five for the college football playoff. Louisville handled Duke in a way that Notre Dame didn't. But if the committee doesn't see Duke as top twenty-five material, it was number seventeen when Notre Dame pulled pulled it out in the last minute, and in Durham, then that's really just another win. It's a meh win. Um, Notre Dame, even the loss, is razor thin. I know it's at home. I know they forgot to put 10, 11 guys on the field, but that's Ohio State. If that's your number one team, that's almost a – you should get credit for a, a loss of that quality as opposed to wins over Georgia Tech, et cetera. Although Georgia Tech is, is feisty here. Yeah, watch there. out for the Yellow Jackets. They beat yeah. North Carolina, North Carolina yeah. doing its usual North Carolina stuff. North Car- Sorry. They're North Alum Carolina. They're, they're Tar Heel. They're Tar they? Healing. They're Mac Browning. <laughs> they are Mac Browning. Like now, he, he does have the one national title with Vince Young, but they're right. Mac Browning. But as soon as you get as soon as you get some interest in North Carolina, ooh, no. they might be able to do this. They might be able to do that. They lose to Georgia Tech. Who did they lose to? Who was their first loss to? Virginia. Virginia. Who's you can't I dropped Carolina out of the top twenty five. Two lost team get out. Gone. Um yeah. That's uh, you know, not stunning, but it's, it's, it's a shame that we're not here to talk about Drake May, but it's a shame for a guy of that talent 
that um, to be average. He's, he's going to have a average. nice NFL quarterback, but very few college memories. Where's Notre Dame going bowling? How about that question? Well, you'd hope uh, somewhere warm after yesterday, but uh, that's who knows. I mean, maybe it is a little pop tarts action. Wow, if the committee, you can't if the, go unless to a the committee, you know, Peach Bowl. There's a lot of there had been a lot of projection uh, for Peach Bowl, and that would be a New Year's Six game, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, all the waffle fries you can eat at halftime, and wait till you see me uh, go at, go at the waffle fries, but. Um, uh, it's a it, it's kind of in flux right now based on because the, the committee has the word. I mean, they said they do not look at the national polls, they do not look at last season, they try to reassess week to week, um, and um, you know, so it's a bit of a crapshoot. But there'll be five more of those, uh, and of course, Notre Dame's going to have to run the table. If you assume you want to get to Peach Bowl, Tom, I'm there assuming be that no more losses. Some of us aren't assuming that. We'll get to that later on in the show, but I'm. I'm pulling for Notre Dame to finish 10-2 and two because I want to go see Notre Dame play in the Peach Bowl against Alabama. I don't want to have to make the decision on covering the – if it's the Pop-Tarts Bowl, sorry, you're going there by yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to no Pop-Tarts What's wrong bowl. with Pop-Tarts? I don't want a pop Did you see how the same people that the Cheez-Its were, were flying last time? Imagine, I might get, get a year's supply of Pop-Tarts as media gifts. So you're good with the Pop-Tarts Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl because you want to see Marcus Freeman covered in Duke's Mayo at the end of no, the game. No, the no, way no I did, didn't. I, the way they that's, do that. That's your so. – what? That's no, I, that's Charlotte, right? That's in Charlotte. <laughs> that, is, that is Charlotte. I've been to Charlotte. I don't, I don't want to go see, back for that. I don't want to see Charlotte. I it's said the, I'm on the record. I want some. I want some sunshine. Fiesta, Fiesta Bowl, take Holiday Bowl. Remember, they almost ooh, got to the Holiday Bowl last yeah. year. Any year, I just give me the Holiday Bowl. I don't care about you. Can you can go out to the Holiday Bowl? I think we have a stringer out there that can help you out. help the cover Notre <laughs> football in San Diego. Oh, oh wow! Uh, yeah. About that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're At we're all the podcasting. We're all, He'll handle the podcast. He's great. <laughs> Oh, we're Hello, all, Fernando. We're all over the place on this show. I don't know why. Maybe it's the snow. It's me. I'm it's sorry. November. It's Berardino. We always throw. He always throws me off track. Let's get back to a a, a better story than the pop tarts ball or whatever ball. Mm-hmm. Big day Saturday for Jaden Mickey. Why? Against Pittsburgh with his pick six. Well, that was emotional because um, yes, uh, his mother um, Nilka has been uh, public about her fight against. Uh, um, Colon cancer, and um, you know that, that he's written a, a book, uh, a youth-focused uh, book on on handling uh, adversity, and and uh, it's called "The Win Isn't Always on the Scoreboard." And and he dedicated that after the game to his mom, who is in the final stages uh, p- potentially of this. Or really, it's it's uh, she needs our prayers. And uh, her husband Lamar uh, Mickey, uh, Doctor Mickey, uh, went on social media right away and. And, and let the world know, shared that moment with everyone. And then Jaden Mickey came in and shared it uh, beautifully. Um, and, uh, you know, considering all that the young man has gone through so far and there have been some rough patches, and even in that game there's some rough patches, some, some, some near misses, uh, near touchdown over his head. Both ways, near yeah. misses. He had he a, could a have near had a pick, pick six, six yeah. or before he had his pick six, yeah. and then could have given up a, a big it play the other way. Beautiful moment, and you know it, it should be celebrated. And it, let's hope that that for all that's been on his mind and his heart, and will continue to be. Let's hope that frees him up to play to the talent level because we've seen it in practices, uh, open mm-hmm. practices, at, uh, in, his, in his time here in the spring and the fall, that, um, that he's got ability. And Marcus Freeman. 
again, said, I believe in him. I love Jaden Mickey. He's the perfect example of one play, one life. And, um, and that came through again. So, um, you know, so apparently Ben Morrison on paper, where Marcus Freeman says, Morrison and Hart are ready to go. But fans that are worried about the drop-off behind them should be very encouraged. I know, and again, it was Pitt. But um, those guys, uh, Christian Gray and Jaden, Christian Gray had tremendous uh, rating for pro football focus for his work in that game. And really overall this year, anytime he's out there. And Jaden Mickey uh, held up under the, uh, the scrutiny. So a solid for Notre Dame because you, you, a contrast of two programs. We talked about what the University of Pittsburgh was all about with Pat Narduzzi and the players clapping back at their head coach. Then you get a guy like Jaden Mickey whose mother's battling colon cancer and he comes in and speaks, as, speaks so well post-game. Like you, don't get, you don't find that in her, at every school that you cover. So kudos to Jaden Mickey to come in talk to us the way he did on Saturday to play the way he did and really step in for Ben Morrison because we didn't we didn't find out about Ben Morrison it was a oh. minute 20 wow. left before the and then here's here's Mike Berardino having to knock out a story on Ben Morrison being sidelined for the game a minute 20 before the first kick and they announced in the press box that he's suffering a quad injury it was a game time decision he was warming up decided that he couldn't give it a go Jaden Mickey steps in Christian Gray we talked to him on Tuesday he stepped in. He played well. So Cam Hart leaving for the NFL after the season. Ben Morrison closer to the NFL. But the cornerback position in good hands with Christian Gray and Jaden Mickey. Don't forget uh, in development, you know, in the shadows, Micah Bell, the fastest right. of all of them. Looking forward to seeing him once he's uh, brought into the mix. But he's here and, he, and he's, and he's, he's uh, being brought along. But, um, yeah, that, that's Mike Mickens. Came up, uh, Marcus Freeman talked about how Mike Mickens, a cornerback and cornerback coach, his longtime friend, uh, and the pass game defensive coordinator, is ready, absolutely ready, to be a defensive coordinator. He said it was a very strong endorsement. We know he believes in Mike Mickens. The first time that he put it in those terms, he was asked in those about that mm-hmm. question about whether he was ready for a defense. First time, I think, anyone has asked him whether the defensive coordinator question, because Al Golden's doing a heck of a job. But there's this general sense out there, wherever it comes from, that Al Golden maybe hits his history, that two years with the Bengals, before that it was two years with linebackers with the Lions, two years with the tight ends, um, that there's this sense that, that he uh, might want another challenge. I, he's not said that. He's not, in fairness, he's not been asked that. So uh, it's kind of an assumption, but Notre Dame's not going to want to see Mike Mickens walk out the door because he, an incredible weapon for them in teaching the game to defensive backs in identifying talent um, and convincing those recruits to come here. And, uh, and uh, you know, you hope you can retain that's uh, that's every off season. You hope you can retain the group and there's no more, there are no more uh, promotions out there for Mike Mickens within the house uh, because he's already past game coordinator. They can't, you can't bump him up anymore unless Al Golden decides to go to the NFL or be a head coach back to being head coach at another college program, which he is more than capable of doing. So safe to say, if things happen in the offseason and Al Golden decides that he's ready for a different challenge, don't be surprised if Mike Mickens is your next defensive coordinator at the University of Notre Dame. Don't be surprised. There, there's probably no search. I mean, it, right. It's an automatic elevation. It's an obvious. Done. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, Al Washington would uh, be a person that would, would – he's the run game coordinator, actually had turned down a chance to be the Tennessee D.C. and uh, during his Ohio State years. So that might be a, a bit of a sticking point, but uh, basically Marcus Freeman's on record 
that Mike Mickens is a defensive coordinator, absolutely ready, quality assistant, and it's just a matter of opportunity. And there will be, after an endorsement like that, there will be other schools that have Coming after at the top of that list, and there will be other, and there'll have to be a decision probably leading up to, uh, you know, December be, that'll be one of the topics is, is uh, wither Mike Mickens. Should he stay? Should he go? We shall see. That's our first segment. Coming up, Mike Berardino will talk with ACC Networks. Eric McLean, all things ACC. Get into the Irish, get into the ACC, get into Clemson. That and much more after this break. Stay tuned. Back on Pot of Gold. And uh, we're joined, uh, very pleased to be joined by Eric McLean from the ACC Network. Uh, and uh, former Clemson offensive line great and uh, all-around uh, good dude. Thanks for joining us, Eric. How you been? Man, I'm just living the dream, brother. It's a fun week. I'm going to try to look away from the 4-4 four and four schedule or record uh, and get excited about this game, uh, you know, because it's interesting enough, man. I have a ton of family up in Indiana. I have a bunch of Notre Dame fans, some not so much Notre Dame fans that, that live up there and this is always such a special game to me. And, uh, you know, obviously thinking back to my senior year when, when we played that game in a hurricane. Um, so always look forward to this matchup. Well, you know, I, I've been saying that uh, Hurricane Joaquin, right? That was the, the crazy uh, right. cause of all that uh, rain. Uh, is going to have to share the stage perhaps this week with uh, Tyler from Spartanburg. And uh, <laughs> that's right. This is, you know, if 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 the Tigers turn around their season, if if Dabo's kind of a rally of the troops, the uh, this feels like a bring your own guts game for Clemson. And uh, do you get that feeling because you you know you know exactly what you guys were were doing as you launched that dynasty uh, into yeah. overdrive in 2015? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I've got this little uh, paperweight right here that, that coach uh. gave me, uh, that BYOG. So I've got it unprompted, you know, it's there. Um, and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's something of that magnitude that, that it's going to take in this game, man. That This is a Clemson that, you know, quite frankly, is just struggling, you know, with, with their identity, with the little things, turnovers, um, you know, and, and really getting it together going against a Notre Dame team that is very comfortable in what they are and who they are and, and the things that they're doing, especially coming off that massive win against Pittsburgh and, and how fun that was from a complete, you know, game standpoint where everybody seems to be scoring touchdowns uh, defensively, special teams, and, and of course on offense. So yeah, Clemson's going to have to figure it out quickly. Uh, obviously that big offensive line, strong running game and, you know, tenacious defense. Uh, the defensive side of the ball is I think probably where people don't give Notre Dame enough credit. I mean, that is really where they have closed the gap speed wise um, when you look at those th that team and the things that they have done. Um, so it's going to be a tough matchup, no question. You look at uh, some of the uncertains. Uh, I guess Will Shipley might be a game-time decision. That's kind of a, a big right. piece there, um, you know, with the concussion protocol. Uh, Notre Dame already knows that Mitchell Evans is out there without their tight end, who's had, had you know, just a breakout season, has become Sam Hartman's trusted weapon on third right. down. Um it, do, you, do you expect Shipley to play? You think um, how important, how big a loss is that to the Clemson offense already struggling without a guy who entered the year as a Heisman possibility? Well, yeah, no question. Um, you know, obviously I, I haven't been in, in that training room or meeting rooms and, and no clue where he is, but just strictly based on what I saw, I, I would be shocked if he plays this week. I mean, yeah. th there was a time where you know he was sprawled out on the ground and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, thinking the worst 
uh, the way that he was just laying there, not moving anything. And then, of course, you, you see him move around and, and eventually get up and walk off the field. Um, so I don't know. I, I would be shocked if he plays. But, yeah, certainly when you lose a player of that magnitude or potentially lose a player of that magnitude, that, that not even just from a you know, on-the-field production standpoint, because we all know what he can do you know, physically, but just from a leadership standpoint and, and being in that huddle and being in that locker room, which he still will, will I assume, be able to do from you know, some matter of fact, being that, that it's at Clemson and, and a home game, um, but yeah, Clemson will potentially miss that if he's not able to go and the problems that he can cause for an opposing defense and, you know, just what he provides for this Clemson offense. Talking with Eric McLean, uh, analyst for the ACC Network and studio analyst on the huddle. And uh, what did you make of the first, uh, where the ACC came out of the first round of, and of course we'll lump Notre Dame into that as a scheduling partner uh, from the college football playoff selection committee. What was your take on where Florida State and Louisville being ahead of Notre Dame, despite my, you know, I was kind of hung up on the fact that Pittsburgh beat Louisville and couldn't compete with Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I appreciate you letting us lump you in there. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, you know, taking credit for that. We have three of them now. I like that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting when you look at it because, you know, clearly Louisville, I mean, what an opportunity that they potentially wasted, you know, as of right now, you know, definitely where, where they could be. I mean, I'm looking at that, that ranking and, thinking Louisville might be six or seven if they take care of business and, and are undefeated and, you know, just playing that is not playing very well right now in, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, if they just handle business in that game where they could be. Um, Florida State, a different animal. I mean, I think they are truly one of the few, you know, teams that, that could win a national championship, certainly participate in the college football playoff. They have so many answers, man, offensively with what they can do. And I feel like they're ascending – right now at the right time. I mean, you, you obviously want to be good in September, uh, especially when you have the out-of-conference games that they did. Uh, but it's all about November, December. That, that's where you want to be playing your best football, and that's exactly where Florida State is right now, uh, especially their signal caller, Jordan Travis. I mean, he's a guy that you know, was on the preseason list and then probably faded away as September you know, came and, and, and went, but now squarely back. I mean, statistically, this guy's blowing up production has been fantastic um and really the way that they're winning uh i I just felt like after that clemson game they kind of got over that hump and we're standing there like okay we can do this like we we feel really good we got that obstacle that we haven't done in eight years out of the way uh let's go let's take it into overdrive and they've been blowing people out uh ever since so very impressed with with what i've seen from them and, and the continued dominance uh that florida state has had this season now let's get back to the to this Clemson Notre Dame game because I do think it's going to be uh, uh, more uh, of a of an instant classic, perhaps maybe not uh, a sightly, but I think it's going to be a it's going to be a very competitive, and I think Clemson's very dangerous. Do you think Clemson's more dangerous at this point to Notre Dame or in disarray? I mean, it's one of those words, I mm. suppose, at, in a, at a time like this, they feel dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think it is. It's just interesting how their season is going um, because there's so many little problems that are stepping up uh, or, or showing themselves, and, and it's just has been insurmountable for Clemson. It's been this mound of, of junk just sitting there that, that it seems like every play somebody else is on the wrong page. I mean, whether it, it's a holding call after you had a massive you know, 20, 30-yard gain, uh, it, it's making the decision to pass it to this guy instead of the wide-open you know, guy downfield that maybe is a touchdown that, that changes everything, fumbling on the one-yard line. 
uh, you know, throwing a, an option read to the left when you could just run it to potentially beat Florida State in overtime. Um, it, it's so many little things that have stacked up. And, and primarily, you know, I think it's quite obvious the turnovers have just absolutely killed Clemson, you know, in these games. And, you know, the, the amount of turnovers in the red zone and not scoring touchdowns and even points at times in the red zone ha, has been brutal for these guys. And, and so it, it does feel like if, you know, you figure that out and you're able to get that going and, and contained and, and turned into touchdowns, you're in such a better place. Now, I'm probably not as bullish sitting here saying that if Clemson doesn't have these turnovers, they're 8-0 because uh, there have been other things that ha have occurred uh, that led to that. Um, but it certainly is a big reason. Um, now, the, the, the dangerous part, I feel like, you know, Clemson obviously feels very disrespected, uh, which given, I mean, you're four and four, you, you, you haven't put a good product consistently on the field, um, but even maybe a little bit attacked. And, and we all know that when these locker rooms can galvanize, when these locker rooms can hang on to anything to feel that us against the world mentality, you're in a dangerous spot. On top of it being a home game, I know Clemson and Clemson fans much rather this game it be at night. It's at high noon. Uh, but no question, the Valley provides that that alternative excitement and added, you know, kind of uh, firepower there having those guys. So they'll be ready, uh, as you said. Um, I am a little surprised by the line, though, with it being as close as the people out West think it's going to be. I, I figured Notre Dame, especially coming off a 51 point W, uh, would be a little bit more favored in this game. Huh. Well, so um, even some of the doubt creeps in uh, from someone who knows this program, uh, you know, inside and out. Uh, the, the 12 straight 11 win season streak is incredible, but that's over. Uh, and then if you look back, you know, going back to the Notre Dame Clemson game in the 2020 season for the ACC championship, the rematch Clemson won the one that mattered. Uh, but right after that, starting with that Ohio state loss in the, in the college football playoff, Clemson is 25 and 11. So mm -hmm. some people out there, some of the pundits, uh, uh, would say that the, the dynasty is, is over or on pause. Uh, where, where is it right now, do you think? And, and even some of the recruiting rankings for what they're worth have shown, you know, Clemson was a top five recruiting machine and now more in that 10 to 15 range. Is, is it uh, just in a transition phase? Uh, is, is, the, is the era of glory uh, uh, over? Is Florida State supplanted it? Where, where is it? Yeah, you know, I think obviously when you lose, um, you know, two generational quarterbacks, that's tough, right? I mean, I'm talking legit uh, you know, best that that any program may have ever had when you look at those two guys and they had them back to back. Um, it, it is nice for a time, but then it's hard to, to bounce back after that. And so you're having to learn, you're having to figure out uh, this is a very different world uh, from when that happened with, with NIL and with the transfer portal and all these other things. So gaps have been able to close a lot faster in the talent realm. I mean, it was just three and a half, four years ago when Clemson delivered the worst loss ever that Florida State has experienced at home, I think a 50-point W or something of that nature, where they scored all those points. Louisville scored like 70, 80 points on them. Um, and, and those gaps have closed because of these different opportunities, and it's just a different world. I think the conference in whole is in such a better place right now from a, from a competition standpoint uh, with, with those teams to the top and the things that they've been able to do. So, you know, obviously harder landscape. Um, but on top of, you know, unfortunately not having a quarterback come in that you thought would be all war, uh, that, that set records against Notre Dame in South Bend that threw for the most ever that anybody has ever passed. And then when he gets the full-time job, it just didn't click for whatever reason. And, and the success that he's had, 
DJ Uyunglele at, at Oregon State has been great to see because you don't want these young men to to struggle or fail and and when they go to different you know areas here. So I think that that is obviously an interesting thing. Um, Kay Klubnick struggles right now as a very young quarterback. Uh, I think he's going into to his ninth start against the Irish um, here and 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 how difficult that is because it takes growing up at that position and, and it's hard to be a young guy inserted into that role, especially at a place like Clemson, the amount of responsibility, the amount of expectation and the things that go into that. So, you know, with, with some of those problems, with some of those misses uh, in recruiting, I think that that obviously has, has set the Tigers back where they're not in the national championship era uh, or not in the national championship discussion, uh, which some people think is, is you know, taking quite a step backwards. So for me, man, it, it's all about perspective. It's all about understanding where you are and what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, it's hard to be at that level. It's definitely hard to be at that level, you know, for for decades at a time. You know, Clemson did it for about a ten year run, and have now you know descended a little bit. And, and figuring out how to get back to there, obviously, is the question. Uh, the recruiting things would would be interesting to look at. I, I'd love to see you know some of those more in depth numbers because to me it feels like Clemson kind of had standalone class, and and that might have been uh, Trevor and them, maybe the class after, uh, but. Primarily in that sweet spot, kind of that eight to fifteen is is where Clemson I think has been, um, and so I don't think there's really a change there. They have a couple of five stars committed. I, I think people are obviously still very interested and excited about the program, uh, but yeah, certainly getting back to that national presence, that playoff, you know, competing team uh, is where the expectation now is because of the success and how quickly that success came to the Tigers. You mentioned uh, quarterback, elite quarterbacks, and and I want to ask you about Sam Hartman. But before we get to that, Sam Hartman came here as a transfer, and and the the, the thought out there, and maybe even Dabo's on record specifically saying that to preserve the Clemson culture, for whatever reason, the perception is that Clemson isn't going to play the transfer portal game uh, at least as a, as effectively or as as uh, you know uh, outright uh, you know aggressively as so many programs have to stay at the top. Do you see that evolving at any point, or is Clemson maybe a case study in culture versus, uh, you know, changing on the fly, getting the best available talent, the most experienced talent? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, you, you'd love to see them dip into it just to have that that instant depth. Um, you know, it, it's difficult when there's a resource that's out there and, and you can add a guy, uh, you know, who is experienced, who is obviously proven at this level and, and can help you right away versus taking the time to develop. Uh, that, that's kind of what I was talking about with that gap and, and the closing of it talent-wise. You see a Florida State team, and I, I think maybe it's not still true to this point, but you know, given last week and their touchdown scored, it's been by all transfers. I mean, th- these are guys that they've brought in uh, you know, that, that have had success other places, and you see how successful they have obviously been at doing that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would love to certainly see – Clemson addressed that if the numbers provided work. Um, you know, the deal that Clemson ran into this year, told by Coach Dabo Sweeney, is they had too many guys come back. You know, Ruka Rororo, Tyler Davis, uh, you, you know, all these guys on the perimeter decided to come back, and, and Clemson wasn't expecting that. Clemson kind of had their numbers from a, a recruiting standpoint that they offered and that they felt good about, you know, kind of meeting where they would be. And so they had no extra scholarship to offer. They had no other place that they could go there and for me, that's a difficult thing with roster management and trying to figure that out. So now if that happens again this year, I'm not sure, uh, but would love to see them entertain that to go get that. And it, listen, it doesn't have to be 
a roster overhaul like we've seen at Colorado, that we saw at Louisville, that we've seen uh, Florida State at times, you know, go out and get, you know, 20 whatever people to come in or over a course of, of a couple of years have all those people come in. It can just be one or two pieces uh, that, that you can just help and, and instantly, like I said, have that competitive depth. So, you know, would love to see that. Um, but again, if you don't have the numbers, you don't have the numbers. And, uh, you know, it's something that you have to obviously pay attention to. Then Sam Hartman uh, trying to avoid going 0-5 as a starter against Clemson. No shame in losing Clemson over the years, but uh, certainly doesn't want to, with all the positive records he has on his on his uh, ledger, uh, that's and he brought it up even this week. He he says you know because he remembers the one year he was redshirting they also Wake Forest also lost that one. But Clemson's uh, pinned 18 sacks on him, but he's only thrown two interceptions in those four games. And basically you know he kind of had a bugaboo with NC State and he overcame it this year. Louisville mm-hmm. got the best of him again. Uh, Duke he's always had pretty good success against and Pittsburgh had him really uh, uh, embarrassed him in the ACC championship game, and he came back and, and, and remedied that. Is there anything um, on the mental side, Sam Hartman versus Clemson, or has that just been uh, talent overwhelming those Wake Forest lines in a way that perhaps uh, Notre Dame would be able to protect him better? Yeah, sure. I, I think certainly the mental side of it is I want to do this. I want to get this W. And, and, you know, the competitive edge that Sam has, I mean, man, he, he's been one of my favorite people to cover uh, just his story, his competitive drive, you know, really being forced into action at a young age and then taking a seat and getting right back in it to, to one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in, in Wake Forest history. And I think cementing himself right there at Notre Dame as well, which is his style of play and the things that he can do. So he's a heck of a ball player. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting challenge for him. Like you said, not having Evans, the tight end that has been so reliable and such a game changer for you know, this Notre Dame offense, but maybe you see a guy like Chris Tyree get more involved. I know he was very excited about the special team success and, and you know, kind of coach saying, we want him back one more year. We think he's just scratching the surface of what he can be. Um, so it, it will be a very interesting approach. Uh, what does Notre Dame try to do? Is it ground and pound and run the football and wear down this defense? Or is it testing some of those, you know, young wide receivers or inexperienced receivers that they have and, you know, kind of knowing your best guys is a freshman there? Um, going against these seniors and, and really talented defensive backs. So going to be a fun matchup. I know Sam is, is excited to get back in the Valley uh, just because it's one of the greatest environments in college football. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, he, he I think he's feeling good about his chances uh, just when you see the struggles that Clemson has gone through this season. All right, so we, we want to get you out of here. We really appreciate you joining us. Eric McLean from the ACC Network, former Clemson great offensive lineman. And I just want to remind folks out there that 2015 game, I'm, I went back and saw and was reminded in, in uh, your bio from the Clemson days, you were the co-offensive player of the game for the Hurricane Joaquin <laughs> game and as named by the coaches. And you graded out at a line best, 88% on 60 snaps while playing in a monsoon. So yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe one word to describe that experience and, and uh, you know, where does that rank in your, in your, in your strange uh, football journey? Yeah, yeah, grateful uh, is kind of the word, man, because it's something that, again, I, I mentioned the family ties and yeah. you know, the, the amount of folks I have up in the Indiana area. And, you know, quite frankly, it's funny enough, just a, a quick story for you. You know, I was committed to the University of Tennessee for a long time as a tight end to Philip Fulmer uh, and that whole staff. And when they got fired, uh, you know, brought in Lane Kiffin and, and just wasn't the right fit. And, and you know, <laughs> Notre Dame fans will love this. But we were sitting in Lane's office and, 
you know, he just had to say to my dad, you know, this must be a dream come true for you, you know, to, to do this and experience this. And my dad looked him dead in his face and said, no, sir, if this was my dream, you'd be Charlie Weiss and we'd be at Notre Dame right now. And uh, so that kind of set the tone and that kind of tells you uh, where my dad's head is at or was at that time. Uh, but that was a special game to me. Had so many family members in town in a hurricane, the, the absolute one of the craziest games I've ever played in just from that environment. Uh, and it, it was a little extra special from the family feel. So love that game. Had some great competitors. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, Jalen, number nine, linebacker, one of the freakiest guys I've ever played against. Uh, just his speed, uh, his awareness, the things that he could do. Uh, and it was a hard-fought battle. You know, we kind of crept out in a big lead at first, uh, but Notre Dame came roaring back, and it came down to a goal line stand uh, to get a W. So a fun, fun game. And, uh, you know, it'll be exciting to see what this one can do. Vegas knows something. Uh, they're confident that it's going to be a close one. Uh, we'll we'll see if if the Tigers can can muster up some BYOG magic. There you go. You got you got the paperweight to to prove it from 2015. That's and right. Yeah, it, that's, it, right. that's that time again. Thank you so much, Eric. Be well, and uh, we'll see you down there. I hope. No doubt. Appreciate you guys so much. All right. Take care. That's Eric McLean from ACC Network and Clemson Lore, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, Tom will rejoin me, and we'll uh, wrap things up after this. Back on the pot of gold here at the, your WNDU studios, your home for countdown to kickoff, counting down to kickoff to Clemson, the magic of podcasting. We did the first segment, I was here. We did the second segment, I was not here. We're at the third segment, and now guess what? I'm back. We're back to talk Clemson, I hope. hope it's you an illusion. A, I hope you learned a lot about Mike B. Mike B, I hope you, your questions to Eric, were Eric, to Eric were on point. I'll listen to the interview later. So will I. Yes, you will, and you'll you'll conduct it. You'll conduct it later too, <laughs> even though it. even though in this segment you've already conducted it. So the magic of podcasting. Do we do that right, producer Jerry? Sure. Yeah. yeah. That, is that how it's done? Time sports mental concept, man. Yeah, we did everything That's right. That's right. We're all fine. Jerry's in a haze right now. He's got Missouri on his mind. So hey, Missouri, Georgia, man. In essence, three thirty CBS. The, the what you call on that? What's going to happen? No. This is the game where Georgia reminds everyone they're Georgia. Kind of like they did with Kentucky earlier this year, where they're like, oh, this could be close. No, it's not. Are we picking Georgia-Missouri? Do we have a pick? No. Well, one Tiger. Pick your favorite Tiger team you want to pick first. There you go. We'll go back to Clemson. Best news about Clemson from a media standpoint, it's a noon start down in Death Valley. None of this 7.30 stuff. None of this writing until 3 o'clock in the morning. Mike Berardino will be at Memorial Stadium. I'm taking that week the weekend off to concentrate on basketball. I've got other things on my self and tribute and the insider plate. So Mike B going down to Clemson. What's wrong with Clemson? They're four and four. You call them what the scariest four and four team in America? Scary, best, uh, all that. <laughs> and Jeff Sagarin still has him in his top 25. I had him in my top 25 right up through the third loss. I think I had a three loss Clemson team in there. Um, so after the Miami game, you but, still had him? Well, maybe two losses. Maybe after the maybe after the third loss, I took him out. Although that was a, a you know overtime, couple overtime losses. Uh, it's it's, it's a don't Marcus Freeman's right. Don't look at the four and four. Mm-hmm. The four losses are quite misleading. It's not a championship caliber team, but it's certainly a, a talented team overall. It's it's also a team that's um, it's going to have the proverbial chip. It's this is the this is the Clemson Super Bowl. It right is. here, and it's a uh, 
It, it really does harken back to uh, some of, you know, Dabo can really whip them into a frenzy. And, and uh, one of the ways a great leader uh, will do that is to put it all on himself publicly. He'll create a spectacle and take the pressure off the players. Did he do that this it, week? I, I think he might have done that with Tyler from Spartanburg. It was a very, everybody's heard it by now. But, um, you know, uh, the idea that uh, pride goeth before the fall, as uh, I think Tyler from Spartanburg correctly uh, laid out the Proverbs uh, eighteen sixteen. I think that's the uh, I think that's the predicted final score of the game. But um, uh, Dabo didn't like that. He was you know he he got a uh, he got out scriptured, and, and uh, you just can't out scripture Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> so look out because it's very rare that that'll happen in the Clemson program and uh, and with their culture. And uh, I I just think that they're going to be uh, you're going to get their best. You're going to get their best from t- from Clemson, but is Notre Dame's best better than Clemson's best? Quite possibly. It might be. I think it's, it was, Will Shipley not, not expected to play. He's he's in Where concussion protocol. Where is that? I mean, it's, it's not he's not ruled out. Is well, it? he's not ruled out, but he's in concussion protocol. If you saw the hit, did you see the hit? No. It's a pretty nasty hit mm. that he took in he's, the who did they play last week? They played uh, NC State. North, NC the, State. Uh, yeah, in the yes. NC State game. Not a so. basketball school, by the way. Not That's a basketball right. school. Dave Doran going right at the, the big very boys. Clear. That's not a basketball school. Steve Smith has uh, re- ruffled a few feathers this week. And you didn't season. see that hit because it's on the CW. Oh, Congrats. yes. That's why you probably couldn't find that game. That, yeah. The old ACC network. Ask Eric McLean about the CW. No, I'll tell you. <laughs> what does Clemson do well? Anything? What does Clemson do well? You know, they're not so bad on defense. They're sneaky, uh, solid on defense. Um, They they also uh, get the ball up and down the field, but then they've been terrible in the red zone and terrible luck on the turnover margin. And 10 lost fumbles. And I think we all know that every time the ball's on the ground, it's a coin flip. It's a a random moment in a football game. I don't think people talk about uh, lost fumbles enough that way. Um, that uh, and as you look at through the course of a year, that should normalize. Uh, Notre Dame lately, every time there's been a takeaway opportunity, it has capitalized. Last year, for first until they got to Syracuse, or to actually no interceptions at all, no takeaways until mm-hmm. they got the BYU game, and then uh, the, the Syracuse game kind of started to turn it. And Al Golden's defense now has a reputation as you know takeaway city, but a lot of that, especially the fumble part, Clemson's been snake bit. Um, Cade Klubnik, still very talented, has the pedigree. Uh, they don't; they're not all weaponed up on the outside as in previous years. But there is a there is a Clemson way. There is a culture there. There is talent. Um, there is Dabo and his and his staff. There is a there is a Riley across the way, a Garrett Riley, Ooh. whose brother is still smarting from the play calling misery he had with USC against Notre Dame. And uh, you don't think Lincoln Riley would make a little time on the phone this week to, to help Garrett with something, you know, some of his regrets and some of his uh, second thoughts about how he might have approached things differently. He does not have – Cade Klubnik is not Caleb Williams, but I just think there's a lot more to this game. Uh, plus, it's, I know it's noon Death Valley, not night Death Valley, but that place will get loud. It'll still get loud. Have you been there? Uh, I have many times in my Augusta days. Um, and uh, yeah, one 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 way in, one way out. There will be traffic. Still in so 2023, yeah. there's, there's only no, one way in, no one way out. Flyover exit or anything. It's still like 28 in and 28 out. Lake Hartwell. You get to Lake Hartwell, and then you're within 45 minutes of parking. Oof. And it's like right there, you know. So you know, but you know, they 
God bless them. It's a uh, it's a it's a great it's a great environment uh, once you're there, and I look forward to it. Give me a pick. <clears throat> well, here uh, we go. Give me a pick. This one is uh, this one is a tough spot for Notre Dame, and I'm and uh, my whole thing this year is uh, going into the year. I felt that there would be three losses in the regular season. We were made to pick that mm-hmm. uh, record, and I went with nine and three. And I my rationale was Notre Dame would split the two marquee night home games, and that is what happened. Yep. Notre Dame would stub its toe somewhere along the way against a team likely on the road that you weren't expecting them to lose to. That was Louisville, in retrospect, and. Uh, Going into the year, I thought Clemson on the road was just after what happened, the beatdown that happened here, the field storming, the way uh, Dabo Sweeney processed that and said they'd had their butts kicked up down the field, that you know they've heard about it and thought about it many, many times uh, since then. And I, that's why I do think you'll get Clemson's best, and I do think on this day uh, it'll be enough. I'm going to go. I'm going to pick the same score as the 2015 uh, Hurricane Joaquin game, and this will be the Tyler from Spartanburg game, 24-22 Clemson. All right, so you're picking Clemson because you f- you picked Notre Dame to finish 9-3 and three this season. Mm-hmm. I picked Notre Dame to finish 10-2 and two this season. So I'm going to pick Notre Dame. All right. It will not be an offensive explosion. It will be more of a rock fight. I don't think the, the Clemson offense will be able to finish once it gets in the red zone. I think they're 121st nationally in red zone offense. I'm not sold on Kate Klubnick. I'm not sold on Will Shipley coming back from his concussion. Defensively, it'll be a grind again. One week after Jared Parker and the Notre Dame offense roll up 500 yards, they're going to be opportunistic offensively. Sam Hartman may throw a touchdown pass. Maybe he'll run for a touchdown too. I'm going to go Notre Dame 24, Clemson 13. Keep Notre Dame on track to finish 10-2. and two. Keep Notre Dame on track not to go to the Pop-Tarts Bowl. <laughs> and that's my pick. So we'll Mitchell see. Evans not playing. Mitchell Evans isn't playing. Somebody's going to step. Maybe maybe Jaden Thomas. Hello, Jaden Thomas. Yeah. Maybe Jaden Greathouse. Maybe again we we could say maybe Chris Tyree, but now it's become Chris Tyree. He's going to make at least one big play somewhere along the line in the passing game, in the punt return game, as we saw against Pittsburgh. Somewhere along the line, it's been for the last couple of weeks. Chris Tyree is going to put his his stamp on this game. Maybe he does it Saturday. It's a two week streak. It's a, it's been nice to see for Chris Tyree, but the go back three games, and it was he looked over the wrong shoulder for the the touchdown that and basically dropped a a, a touchdown. That but it was still a big play. Him. It was still it, a big he was play. in the middle. He's in the mix, huh? It's still uh, in the mix. It's gonna no. It's it's a fascinating game. There's a lot. There's a lot of subtext to this game, and and um, uh, it's it's why we'll watch. So that is it for this week's edition. We will not be here next week. We're back on another bye. We, they go eight weeks, get a bye. Two weeks, another bye. So that's it for this edition for Pot of Gold here at WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. For producer Jerry, for Mike Berardino, I'm Tom Noy. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a great weekend. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Baradino, and Austin Huff.